Good morning. My name is Rob Danielson. Welcome to Visions and Sound. Now, for those that may be joining me for the very first time, Visions and Sound is a movie, TV, and video game soundtrack program that I produce each and every week right here on 98.5 CKWR. Well, here we are, show number 49 of 2023 and show number 1,207, if you're keeping track that way. This week, we continue into December with something I haven't done in a while, a composer feature. I had the opportunity, oh, the composer in question this week, rather, is Robert Hunstein. I had the great opportunity to speak to Robert a few days ago, and I'm happy to feature his music to The Real Charlie Chaplin, which was nominated for an Emmy recently. Now, first up, though, is some of Robert's other music. This particular piece is not really associated with anything soundtrack-related, but it's simply called Evergreen. Back in a bit.
And with a little bit of music by Robert Hunstein, that's that's uh, that piece is called Evergreen. I'm going. 
the show's going to be a little bit different tonight. Uh, uh, before I get to the actual interview, I'm going to be playing one more particular piece, uh, or at least a, a, a sampling of it. This in particular is called Soul House. So I will be back in just a little bit, and then we'll start the interview that I did with Robert.
Hunstein's music that's, in this case, the uh, the piece is called Soul House. Well, if you're interested in any of the film, television, or video game music that I do play here on the show, by all means, you can contact me at, of course, visionsinsound at gmail.com. You can also try me online at facebook.com slash visionsinsound. I'm on the Twitter at visionsound. You can also try me on my website, visionsinsound.ca. I'm also on Good Pods, a downloadable app for your phone or other type devices, and I can also be found on many podcatchers, including the likes of Apple Music. So welcome back to Visions and Sound, as this week we are featuring the music of Robert Hunstein. So next up is the interview I did with uh, Robert, where we actually talk about his film, among other things, but uh, his, his most recent film, The Real Charlie Chaplin. So here's the interview that I did with Robert. Well, let's start with uh, what is your musical background? Oh, yeah, sure. So um, I grew up playing the piano and I also did a lot of singing just kind of in schools. And by the time I got to high school, I was getting more into I was playing in bands. I was playing jazz. I was also getting more into like classical kind of composition. So that kind of all came together. And when I went to college, I decided to study music and really focus began focusing on being a composer then. 
So what is the the first thing you do when beginning to write a score? Oh, okay. Good question. So um, I think a lot of times it's like coming up with broad um, ideas about the palette, like of the sound and also sort of like broad ideas of like thematic areas. If, you know, in the Chaplin score, there was like different sort of thematic ideas that they were trying to weave into the film. And so for each kind of area, we focused first on kind of coming up with some sounds and some musical ideas that corresponded to that before getting into like, you know, actually scoring like specific cues. Of course, you're, you're, you're working or you're, you're working in the era of Chaplin. Are you studying his work or yeah. are you studying the era to, to, uh, um, for your music or, you know, how, how does that, how does that process work? That's a great question. Um, you know, so when I initially started the project, I, I did do a lot of research. I, I read his autobiography. I watched a number of the films, listened to, I created a huge sort of playlist of music from as many films as I could find and um, kind of listened to that and immersed myself in that. But, you know, as we started working on it with the directors and, and whatnot and talking about it, we came to this idea that my music, the score, is going to represent sort of like more of a contemporary perspective on his life and his the significance of his work. And source music from the time could be used to represent that time. So like there would be parts of the documentary where, you know, it would be like a montage of some of his films and they might use some tracks from Chaplin's own films that, that he wrote or that other people wrote. And then my music was then really used to offer this sort of like um, reflection or counterpoint almost so that you could kind of alternate between the two perspectives, which I think worked really well in terms of the narrative way the, the movie came together, you know? So ultimately, yeah, not, not my score didn't end up sounding like that period, though um, there were some subtle influences. Like I, I, I don't think it was perceptible really to anyone, but it was useful for me. Like there's one little excerpt of a Chaplin piece where the chord progression, I kind of focused on that. I think it was just even like a series of like four or five chords. And I just kind of used those chords in different ways in my own cues. And it doesn't end up sounding at all like the original, but it's, I feel like there's this sort of subtle reference, but that was really the extent I think of, of, the, of that explicit kind of connection in the music I wrote at least, you know? Um, what influenced your sound palette? You know, I was kind of lucky in that the directors reached out to me because they were interested in in what I had done. So you should know, just to back up a few steps, I am most of my work is actually as a concert composer. Oh. And this was my first film score. Well, it's not true. I mean, I've done, I had to, I've done some student films and whatnot, but this is my first like feature length thing. They came to me because they had heard my music before and they felt like it was working for what they wanted. So they came to me already sort of saying, as far as sound palette, like we like some of the things you've done before, which in the examples they were citing were a lot of like chamber music, things that had strings, things that had percussion. And so we kind of started from that perspective that I was gonna work in that world. And then once, but, but then once we had that idea, we, we kind of zeroed in on a small group of instruments, um, some strings, piano, um, three wind instruments, and some percussion. We, we liked this because it had enough variety that you could, you could access a lot of different colors within that, but it was um, really compact because it, it gave this quality of like chamber music. You know, we, we weren't, 
looking for a big lush orchestral score because in a lot of ways um and Chaplin's story reflects this you know here's like the most famous person on the planet for his time and but there's this people don't really know who he is you know they don't really know who's the real Chaplin right and there's this um divide between the public persona and the private and I think a lot of my scenes and a lot of things that I was scoring was kind of trying to get at triangulating like who is Chaplin so we're so we're a lot of ways looking at a more maybe personal side and I feel like that chamber music quality, that sort of more like intimate sound worked well for that. So um, so that was a deliberate choice. We weren't trying to do these big orchestral campuses or anything like that. It was a more chamber music intimate. And so this small group of instruments it ended up being about 10 instruments um, really worked well. And it gave us the flexibility to do that. And um, yeah, I was, I was happy with that sound for sure. Okay. And obviously you're using live players here. That was another choice. Yeah, we really wanted to, to have that feeling of live players. And, um, you know, there's a lot of fantastic scores that use a lot of synths and use a lot of um, electronic components. And that can be really amazing, obviously. And for the, you know, for rights kind of movie, that's beautiful. But for this, I think we wanted that live feeling. I mean, Chaplin himself was, was musical. He played the cello. He, um, he composed actually a lot of the scores for his films. I mean, I think he worked with a composer who orchestrated, but he would come up with some of the tunes and the themes and stuff like that. Um, so, and also I just feel like that era, the sort of silent film era, it's, it's um, still a kind of mechanical era. It's still, still, it's not like digital. It's not that kind of thing. You know what I mean? So I think having, having people playing instruments and, and feeling like it was th that kind of music where you could really hear that it was people playing together um, complemented, I think, the, the the general feeling of the time, you know. So, yeah, that was definitely something we wanted to do. We wanted to to have people play it. And that was mm -hmm. important. Uh, when you're working with about, you said about uh, 10 musicians and that sort of thing. Yeah. How are you miking the studio and, and yeah. getting, getting that intimate sound that you mentioned? Two, well, um, I mean, so two things. I mean... We also recorded this, um, I think the recordings were made in 2021, I think, which was still at a point in the in the pandemic where we kind of had to deal with some restrictions. Like for example, wind instruments couldn't play in the room with, with other people. So we had to record the winds in isolation and um, you know everyone was masked and all this stuff. So there was a thought, oh, maybe there's a version of this where we record everyone doing it all at once. But that was impossible because of the pandemic. So we ended up doing it in layers where we kind of recorded like the strings and then we recorded like winds, but in isolation. And so everyone was basically sort of like closely mic'd um, and somewhat, you know, the strings were recorded as a group, but, you know, they were mic'd with pretty much close, close miking and then some overhead things. So we could have a little bit of the room, but, but um, that close sound also gave us the flexibility to kind of finesse it however we wanted to, because there were some cues where we were trying to get this more like dreamy atmospheric effect. So we would, you know, maybe like obviously like layer in some reverbs. We, we, we had a lot of fun, like doing sort of like multiple takes, say like some of the cues have um, sort of like more sustained string sound. So maybe we record like three or four passes of that, but, but we, I, I had a lot of fun, like trying it in subtly different ways, you know? So like um, I had the strings play once just kind of ordinary, maybe the second time over the fingerboard and maybe like a third time um, with like 
a little bit of tremolo or something and then like layering that so so the overall effect is like it actually kind of sometimes feels like a synthy effect in certain cases but it's not so we we played around with that and yeah just so by recording it in that cl close mic way it gives you gives you the most flexibility to to play with it in in different ways if you wanted to you know right yeah so are are you writing on the score page or are you writing to a uh, to a computer and then putting it out yeah both many of the cues I, I created in in logic and then i kind of orchestrated it into the score um but there were a few cues where i did it the other way where i went straight to score um you know I, i'm set up so that i could i can have the the film cue playing and that's on my timeline and logic but i also can have i use finale i can have finale um in sync up with logic so that i can be scoring stuff in finale press play in finale and then it will be synced up with the film so i could i can kind of go in between both pretty fluidly um it just sort of depended on the cue um whether i would create it first in logic or first in finale but then ultimately yes everything did end up be, being orchestrated fully um in a full score and i think that because of my sort of concert music background i i did that a little bit more elaborately than i think most film composers may have um you know i i took a lot of time to like add very details about dynamics and subtle sort of like timbre things you know i kind of treated it almost like a at the end like a like a concert piece um which made me really satisfied it took a little longer but i, I thought it added a, some detail that i that i really liked but yeah so kind of both so how much of a difference did you find between composing for a concert work as opposed to composing for a, a movie. Yeah, really different. And it was initially a little scary, but it became very exciting. The difference is that in the concert, there's a, well, there's a lot of difference. First of all, in the concert world, I like almost think of it like you are the composer is the director and the composer, you know, you're, you're telling the whole story and you want to tell the whole story with the music, you know, it needs to grab the audience and hold the attention with just sound. Whereas with the film, you're you're just one layer. And ultimately, actually, the picture is really the most, in my opinion, in the most important layer, you know, and like the music needs to fit with that. And if the music is taking you out of the picture, then there's a problem with the music, right? Um, so, so in a way, I had to scale back, you know, I had to sort of maybe, maybe if, if these, say I take a given cue and I was saying, and I'd say to myself, okay, I'm going to take this cue and make it into a concert piece. Probably the first thing that would happen is that I would add another layer to it, or I would not, not make it more complicated, but just, just make it. So there's like a little bit more going on, you know, to keep that full attention. So there's that, there's a kind of editing, which is that I had to kind of go against my maybe instincts and, and think about how can this um, do what it needs to do as far as capturing the sort of emotional space or the of the cue but also ca capturing the general sort of tracking of sort of the beats of the of the scene or whatnot right. but but at the same time not grab too much attention you know what i mean and and initially actually that was some of the conversations we have the directors would say I'd, I'd come up with something that I, th I thought was so perfect and I'd send it to them and they'd say yeah this is really great but we need to like it, at these moments like it's it's getting in the way like it's like taking too much focus so we need to like dial things back and so there was this process of like okay I have to kind of edit and I got kind of got the hang of that balance so that's that's like one major major way that it's different um and you know the other thing is just like you're 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 not in charge, which is in a certain way, it's kind of cool. I mean, it's like, I'm working with the director who's ultimately going to green light it. And, um, you know, I need to make it work for them, not, not just me. 
Um, and so in the concert world, it's not it's not that way. You know, you're you're the you kind of have the whole thing that you you decide. Um, but but it, I, I liked it. You know, it was fun. You know, I ended up just writing so much music for this thing. I mean, the score ended up being, I think they ended up having about fifty minutes of my score in the film. And but I, but for that fifty minutes, I, I would say I probably have two two hours of stuff I didn't use hmm. in various degrees of completion. Some of it is really sketchy, you know. It's just like and here's a, some here's like three ideas, and they, they'll say, okay, we like idea one, that kind of thing. Some of it is some of it is pretty developed like you know it went through a lot of phases and there were some places where they're almost completely fleshed out cues and at a certain point they're sort of like you know what we, we're going to either cut this scene altogether or we're going to go a different direction so so i just generated so much more content than i would normally in a concert piece um which um actually is great because you know i could i could still use that stuff in other places right if, as long as it wasn't used for the film but it's still I think some of it is still good material. And so there, now I have it and I can occasionally dip into it if I need to. Yeah. Right. So how closely do you work with the director are you, or are you just kind of, you know, go off and compose and bring me back something? It was really close, you know, so like, so a lot of this was done. So they're based in the UK and I was in um, just North of New York city. This entire collaboration was done either over zoom or on email, but it was when we were really working on it, it was, back and forth like two three times a day not more you know everything was a conversation you know they we would say um i'd send him a first draft and um they'd write me back an email with comments and you know i would address the comments and send a second draft and it just back and forth and it, and it went through that kind of every step i mean it, it was like it was like we got to a certain point with everything and they're like, okay, now we're going to make a rough cut of the whole film. And then it'd be like, okay, and like another round of sort of like finalized, tw final tweaks before it was like, okay, green light. Now you can go ahead and like orchestrate, make the final versions and get it ready for the recording session. So it just felt like many, many layers of like this sort of back and forth. And then ultimately a kind of waiting for the, and a sort of approval. It was pretty collaborative, but I, I feel lucky that the director was really fluent in terms of talking about music like someone who knew music well lo loved music and and could talk about it you know i didn't feel like um i felt like he really respected what i was bringing to the table i felt like um he heard he was willing to listen to me you know if i had ideas like i didn't always agree with their ideas I and mean, he would at least he would listen to me but he but he was able to communicate effectively in pretty musical ways you know things that that were working or, or not working. So um, so it was it was collaborative. It was highly collaborative. I, I love that too, you know, as a concert composer that we don't really have that, you know, we sort of, you get a commission, you write a piece and that's usually it. <laughs> I mean, you might have, you'll have some collaboration with the performer maybe about like what works. So like, yeah, this passage is tricky. What if you changed a few things here and there? But, but this felt like, you know, I had an editor or something like a novelist, you know, they have an editor, you send a, you send a manuscript and they get comments and, it was kind of cool to work that way, you know, to not be the only person <laughs> deciding everything, actually. But yeah, that was fun. Okay. So now the soundtrack comes out on the 2nd of December. Yeah, actually uh, the 1st, Friday. Oh, the 1st of December. Okay. Even better. Yeah. How do you choose your cues or mm. your, your cuts for, for a soundtrack? I use just about everything. But for the soundtrack album, I mixed it. I remixed it all. Because, and I'm, this is one thing I'm really excited about. Um, 
you know, when they mix it into the film, I, I, for, for good reasons, you know, it's not always say as at the level I would like it to be. <laughs> Sometimes they have to dip and tuck because of the dialogue and different things. For the album, I was able to mix everything kind of just as music and make everything sound just exactly how I wanted it to sound. I mean, I'm really excited that people can listen to it and hear the full detail of, of the sound because I think there's a lot of cool details that that don't always come across in the film you know it's it's sort of funny it's like you work so hard on something and you think about every little detail and then and then you hear it in the final product and it's like i feel like sometimes i can't i can hear maybe 60 or 70 percent of it and it's doing the job that it needs to do but as the composer i'm here thinking oh but you know there was this really cool part there and and there's this like bass note that happened here that i couldn't hear so well you know but now on the album it's that you can hear it exactly exactly how i wanted it to sound um so that was most of the work was really just um mixing it and some of the cues you know for the film like maybe they kind of um faded out at a certain point or this one i, I could just give the whole thing like how i imagined it um so there's that kind of thing there's one it's just it's sort of a silly little detail we had fun with there was one cue where um for a while it was a string quartet mainly yeah it was a string quartet cue and then at a certain point we had this idea of um, adding a slide guitar on top of it, which oh. is super random. Uh, although it kind of connects because in like 20s, there was like a real, or maybe it was the 30s, 20s, there was like a real fad for Hawaiian guitar. Oh, yes. And uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and um, it so happened that I had uh, a, a, a lap steel, a Hawaiian lap steel that my grandmother had. Um, and she got it probably in the 30s because her dad, liked Hawaiian guitar and bought it for her and said, and wanted her to learn how to play it. So we, I happen to have this thing. I can't really play it, but I've kind of figured out enough to just record some simple, like sort of sliding that fit with the string quartet part. And so I recorded that. And for a while we were kind of going to keep it there, but eventually they decided to take that lap steel part out. And I agreed with it. It made sense. I think it, like I said, it was, it became ultimately a little distracting. Like it was too, just too much, you know, but for the album, I, I put it back in. So <laughs> little things like that, you know, just like it, just stuff that I couldn't quite do for the film that now for the album, I could just do it because I wanted to, why not? Great. Yeah. So where can we find the, the soundtrack? Oh, it's going to be on all the usual places. Um, on Bandcamp, on Spotify, Apple music, all of those, all of the platforms you'll find it. And if you, just search for the real Charlie Chaplin or for my name, you'll, I'm sure, find it um, very quickly. So now the score is Emmy nominated? Well, it was nominated for a news and documentary Emmy for uh, um, outstanding, I think it was original, outstanding original com composition. I can't remember the exact wording of the category. Um, that was very thrilling and it didn't win, but nonetheless, it was pretty cool. Um, I went to the ceremony and um, that was surprising and and very very cool i felt very excited just to be there um yeah so that was a neat thing yeah right how are you and how, how are you informed that your that your your score has been, been well nominated? um i got an email first from the i think i got it from like showtime because they released the they released the the documentary in the u.s at least right. and um they submitted it to to the Emmys. So I had already in, um, interfaced with them on that. And then they just sent me an email. Um, and then I think, th and that, yeah, that, that was it really. They just, and I got, and, I, and then I got an email from the, from the 
I don't know what it is, NTAS or whatever the, the Academy, National Television Arts, something, whatever it is that runs it. I got an email from them too. Um, so email. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So how would a score that you write today differ mm -hmm. from one that you wrote, let's say, at the beginning of your career? I mean, you know, it's hard. It would differ because it depends so much on, I mean, I think I could speak more about the process might differ because I've learned more, I think, about the process and I've learned more about what works as far as like just in a general sense. But so much is just dependent on the project. I mean, you know, everything from the instrument choice, the sound palette, you know, to to the sort of approach to this, is this going to be a very active um, score is this going to be more of a background thing? I mean, that's all dependent on what the, the film or the, the project is, you know? So I think I, the process would be different because I, I think I've learned so, a lot. I think I just have a, I just have a better sense of like what to think about how music I think functions well, um, with picture and with respect to telling a story. And I've also think I've learned a lot about the collaboration and the communication process with the various members of the team. I mean, mostly the director, but also the, the music supervisor, um, also the music editor at the end. I mean, so when I started the Chaplin, I really didn't know. I mean, I, I didn't know a lot of how this worked, but now I feel like I understand, oh, I, this is what the music editor does. This is what the supervisor does. This is what the director does. This is, this is how the conversation happens. And this is what the process is. Yeah. So I think I would just, you know, navigate that with a little more confidence um you know um maybe rather than i mean i think i spent a lot more time in the beginning writing things right and writing them to a, to a more complete phase than i needed to you know what i mean like right. i you know i would just say okay here's an idea for a cue and i'd, I'd like really write like something like two three four minutes long that was pretty pretty worked out pretty detailed and Sometimes they'd be like, okay, this is great. And sometimes they'd be like, well, maybe we're thinking about a different direction. And then it's like, I had to start over. And I feel like a smarter way would have been to either just like write less of it or just like not refine it as much just to sort of get the buy-in to the general direction before I like go all in on fleshing it out. You know, so stuff like that, just like efficiency and understanding the process. Um, yeah. Is there anything you learned this time around that you would uh, use in the future? I, I mean, you, you, you mentioned yeah. the fact that you have a lot of extra music now. Yeah. So yeah. Know. Which is a good and bad. I mean, I'm happy to have that. I think, I don't know. I, I, there's so many things. I think, I, I think I've, I think I covered most of it, you know, stuff about the process right. and about the material. And, um, you know, I think um, I got a lot better at sort of navigating my workflow in terms of dealing with like the DAW versus the notation and like, using sampled instruments and sort of how a better, you know, a more efficient way to kind of jump between these different things. And like, I mean, I guess I learned that on that stuff. I don't know. I don't actually, I never even asked you what kind of people that listen to this. So I don't know how interested there are in this kind of technical sort of thing, but you know, I, I found it for myself, like there are different ways to create music. I can create it at the keyboard because I'm a pianist and I could improvise that way. I could create it in the score by, by just, manipulating the the notes in the in the in the notation software i could create it in the daw by just sort of playing around with things in the daw i could even use other things like my voice or other instruments i had around these are all different ways to create and i found that each different way um for me at least lends itself to different types of music if, if, i don't know if that makes sense and so like just being conscious of like 
oh, okay, this cue I think is going to be this certain thing, which means that I, I probably need to just jump into the notation right away, or, or it's going to be this kind of thing. So I can just make this in the DAW in a rough way because because that's going to actually be effective for what I think it's going to be. You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, that's that's I guess more like a workflow process thing, but actually that's really really important, you know. So now now that uh, uh, the real Charlie Chaplin is now done, and and what does the future hold for you? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I've got lots of concert projects. That's like I said, that's my main thing. You know, I just finished a ballet score, uh, which was really fun. Um, I, I since the Charlie Chaplin was over, I've, I've written a lot of a lot of music for different things, and I've got more of that in the pipeline. Um, but uh, I would love to do more film if I can. So I'm definitely staying open to that. And if another big project comes along, I'll, I'll jump on it. Um, cause it, it was a lot of fun. You know, I, I'm not, I wouldn't say like, um, that, you know, as, as I've said, it's not, it's not the thing I do all the time. Like I, I'm mainly doing the concert stuff and, and, but I would love to bring film more into the fold. And, and it, one thing that was cool was the sort of balance, um, in, between those two things. Cause even during the chaplain, I had other concert things to write, other pieces to write. And, um, you know, uh, this sort of, um, like even some of the extra material that we didn't get used, I could say, take some of that and use it in a concert piece. It also made me appreciate sort of what's special about concert music. So I, it kind of made me appreciate what I really liked about the concert stuff. And then also clarified what's unique and special about scoring for, for media. And um, I, I, I would love to have the chance to do both and have a balance where I can kind of go between them. So um, yeah, so I, I think I'll I'll keep um, keep that keep that on the horizon. That's yeah. that's definitely the goal. Well, the the film is the real Charlie Chaplin, and uh, where can we find this uh, again? Yeah, so the film is streaming on on Showtime, uh, which I believe is part of Paramount Plus now. It's okay. so hard to keep track. Um, <laughs> but I think you could also rent it on Amazon. I know that um, for something if you don't if you don't have Paramount Plus or Showtime yeah. or whatnot. Um, and it, but of course, if you're in different countries, it might be in different um, places. But so that's where you can watch the film, which. I'd really like, I mean, you know, we're talking about my score, but it's a cool film. And if, right. if you, if you are a huge Chaplin fan, I think you'll find it interesting, but especially if you're, if you don't, if you're not already a huge fan, it's such a great introduction to, to his work, but it also tells that I think in a really contemporary way, that's, I think, very engaging to an audience today. Mm -hmm. um, so I recommend it highly. Um, and then my album is available. It's available December 1st, yep. <laughs> 2023. And uh, you can get that anywhere. Bandcamp, Spotify, iTunes, um, Apple Music, all, all title, whatever, all of those things. Get it. Well, Robert, I really appreciate the uh, the time you've given me today. Thank you. And uh, I, I hope that your career continues on the incredible path that you've kind of set before yourself. Well, thanks a lot. And I, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. It was, it was really a pleasure. And I have to thank uh, Robert again. It was a pleasure to speak to him. If you're interested in any of his work, you can go on to his website, roberthonstein.com. And then um, if you're interested in any of the film, television, or video game music that I play on my show, by all means, you can contact me at, of course, visionsinsound.ca. You can also try me on my website, visionsinsound.ca, which I just said. You can also try me on... Um, Facebook.com slash visions and sound. 
I'm a little bit off tonight for some reason. In any case, uh, you can also try on Good Pods, a downloadable app for your phone or other type devices, and you can also try me on many of the other uh, many of the other podcatchers out there, including Apple Music. Just type in Visions and Sound, and you'll be able to find me that way. I'm going to take a little break here, and we'll be right back to continue on. In this case, with um, Robert's first first major film score. So. Hollywood icon Charlie Chaplin rocketed to fame from the slums of Victorian London and spent decades as one of Hollywood's most famous and beloved stars until his scandalous fall from grace. His stage persona and incendiary media portrayal defined how he was perceived, but his private life always was shrouded in mystery until now. Never before heard recordings, intimate home movies, and newly restored classic films reveal a side to Charlie Chaplin that the world never got to see. Now, um, if you are here in Canada, which um, uh, which the show originates from, I was not able to find it. And that's a shame because I was really looking forward to seeing it. The um, The trailers really um, were really great and I was, I'm really looking forward to it. So when it, when it comes here, I'll let you know, but for now, um, you can only find it in the, uh, on, on any of the streaming services in the States. Uh, it was mentioned that it was on Paramount plus, but, uh, unfortunately not here in Canada. So as mentioned before the interview, uh, uh or sorry, as mentioned in the interview, the music was released in several places and I got mine from iTunes. So here's some music from the real the real Charlie Chaplin.
And with a little bit of music from The Real Charlie Chaplin, that's music by Robert Hunstein. Well, if you're interested in any of the film, television, or video game music that I do play here on the show, by all means, you can contact me at, of course, visionsinsound at gmail.com. You can also find me online at facebook.com slash visionsinsound. I am on the Twitter at visionsound. You can also find me on my website, visionsinsound.ca. I'm also on Good Pods, a downloadable app for your phone or other type devices, and I can also be found on many other podcatchers out there, including Apple Music. Well, we have reached that time of year when we're, well, I haven't just started been thinking about the best of 2023. I do have some choices, but I'm looking to you. If you have some some choices that may not necessarily be on my list, but still something that, that hits you particularly well this, this year, then by all means, send a, uh, an email to visionsinsound.ca. And you can also try um, visions and uh, visions and sound at gmail.com. Um, yeah, go on the website and uh, leave a message there. Either way, I'll still get it and put it on the list and, and do some consideration. <sighs> 2023. What an interesting year. Hmm. What can I say? Other than just the fact that uh, it's it's been wonderful to have uh, to sit and do these shows. I mean, I'm not wrapping things up by any, by any means, but I'm just saying here that, uh, yeah, what a year this has been in any case. So yeah, if you're looking for, uh, something to do this weekend, by all means, check out or uh, go on my website, check out previous shows, check out, uh, leave a message, visionsandsound.ca, and definitely have a look. And uh, also, I mean, we, we can't forget Madame Ravencroft's show, who's who's on my website as well. Uh, check out her show as well. Uh, she does the 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 dark side um, weekly, uh, three to five. But her show also resides in archive form on my website. So that's not, that's that's that as well. So yeah, I think I'm going to continue on with a little bit more music from the real Charlie Chaplin, but also go on to Robert Hunstein's website, uh, robertonstein.com, and you can find out a whole bunch of information about him. Uh, like I said, real Charlie Chaplin is his first major score, and it was nominated for an Emmy of all things. Now, I mentioned during the interview about the the process of of uh, of being uh, notified and, and that sort of thing. I think it'd be really cool. And so, yeah, like I said, don't, uh, yeah, go onto his website, check out his music. Uh, you heard a little bit of it earlier, some of that evergreen and some, some, uh, and the others and the other pieces as well. So yeah, check it out. Definitely worth it. Worth it. And so like I'm just, like I said before, if you're interested in any of the film, television, or video game music that I do play here on the show, by all means, you can contact me at, of course, visionsinsound at gmail.com. You can also find me online at facebook.com slash visionsinsound. I am on the Twitter at visionsound, and you can also try me on my website, visionsinsound.ca. Also, I'm on Good Pods, a downloadable app for your phone or other type devices, and I can also be found on many of the other podcatchers out there, including the likes of Apple Music. Also, where you can find the real Charlie Chaplin if you're enjoying the music tonight. So I'm going to continue on with a little bit more music from the real Charlie Chaplin, Robert Onstein. 
back in a bit. Thank you. 
and with a little bit of music from the real Charlie Chaplin. That's music by Robert Hunstein. Well, if you're interested in any of the film, television, or video game music that I do play here on the show, by all means, you can contact me at, of course, visionsinsound at gmail.com. You can also try me online at facebook.com slash visionsinsound. I am on the Twitter at Visions Sound. You can also find me on my website, visionsinsound.ca, where the show will appear in about, uh, I'd say about two hours' time. And you can also be stylish on the website. You can visit the store and uh, check out some of the logo wear that I have for the show. So check it out. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure if you'll be able to get it just before Christmas, but give it a shot. You never know with these kind of things. Also, I am available on Good Pods, a downloadable app for your phone or other type devices. And you can also find me on many of the other podcatchers out there, including Apple Music. Well, that's all for me this week. Thanks for hanging in, those that did. So as we're rounding out 2023, I hope as you're getting on with your day that you realize just how awesome you are. Never let anyone tell you any different. If you're ever not feeling right, there are people out there that care about you and are willing to chat. If not family, then some professional who can help. As Rocky said... Nobody hits harder than life. I know from personal experience how hard it is for me to sit behind this mic week after week when I feel like no one's listening. I would never have made it this far without the support of a huge, huge team of people behind me. If you or someone you know is in crisis and needs help, resources are available. In case of an emergency, please call 911 for immediate help. The Canadian Association for Suicide Prevention, Depression Hurts, Kids Help Phone at 1-800-668-6868 and 1-844-HERE-247 and here247.ca all offer ways of getting help if you or someone you know may be suffering from mental health issues. Well, join me next week as we continue into December with a celebration of the 30th anniversary of The Nightmare Before Christmas. I'll end off this week's show with some more music from the real Charlie Chaplin, Stick around for Indemix, and I'll be back next week with more Visions in Sound.